Hello, welcome back to Learning from a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, and I'm once again solo podcasting. So I'm doing this just for you. Uh, generally, I podcast with my co-hosts, who are also my brothers and or cousins and or friends and or other family relations or people kind enough to jump on and give us some insight into some topics. Um, but today I'm just going to be doing it for your pleasure and hopefully for a little bit of educational purposes as well. Today, um, I want to talk a, a little bit about riddles. Talking about riddles, that sounds boring. Boring. So we're going to actually do five riddles together. Uh, riddles are something that uh, I have a passion for, but not only that, they're something that I think are useful. And specifically, so as if you've listened to these podcasts before, you know that I have uh, uh, some knowledge about computer science. Computer science uh, riddles are very uh, not important, they're very relevant because the way that you solve specific types of riddles, I guess, um, there are you know, word riddles and then there are kind of more algorithmic riddles. And that's a, an algorithm being a, essentially a way, to, a way to solve a problem, a particular, um, a particular methodology. So uh, all algorithmic riddles are questions actually sometimes in uh, interviews for jobs uh, for uh, computer engineers or uh, so software engineers or uh, computer science jobs in general so these are things I've been asked uh, so a couple of the ones that we're going to discuss today um, are going to be ones that uh, I was asked in job interviews years and years ago uh, and a couple others that I think are follow uh, in that vein and and Kind of working up in complexity, but helping, uh, hopefully, helping you uh, identify particular ideas uh, and, uh, and how to solve riddles and how to algorithmically come up with solutions. So let's just jump in. Like I said, it's talking about riddles. Uh, I, that's not uh, the best way to learn, I think. So let's we're going to actually dive in here and talk about five specific riddles. And first, we're going to talk about. Um, the nuts and bolts buckets riddle. So in this riddle, you've got um, three, uh, once again, sorry, before I, uh, all five of these riddles are gonna be algorithmic. And that meaning these are not word riddles. This is not, oh, can you come up with uh, some word that ties us all together or some way around this, literally solve these mathematically, essentially, algorithmically. So three buckets. Uh, full of nuts and bolts. So we're talking about metal, uh, you know, nuts that go on on bolts. Bolts. Um, so in one bucket you have just nuts, one bucket you have bolts, and in one bucket you have nuts and bolts mixed. Um, each bucket is labeled incorrectly. So uh, you are now given the task of picking, uh, uh, labeling them correctly, uh, switching the labels so that they're all labeled correctly, uh, based on one draw. So you can pick one piece of you know, an item from one bucket. Uh, you don't get to look in. These are you know completely uh, opaque. You can't, there's going to be no visual cues or, or anything like that. This is just, you get one draw from one bucket. So if you go, uh, if you 
you don't get a handful, you just get one draw. So if you want to pause the podcast and think about it briefly, I'm going to walk you through um, uh, how to solve this right now. So the first thing you need to know is, uh, in these algorithmic riddles, is start with what you know. Identify each individual piece of information and how it is going to help inform the solution and what uh, what here is uh, really necessary information. So if you think, okay, well, I can just grab a one piece of uh, you know one one draw from any bucket, it doesn't matter. Well, that that's actually not the case. So let's say you go up to the uh, bucket labeled bolts. You pull out a bolt. Well, then you knew, you know, right? Then at that point, you know, okay, well, this is labeled incorrectly. And therefore, I pulled the bolt out. It can't be bolts. Therefore, it must be nuts and bolts. Great. However, what if you pulled a nut out of that bucket? You wouldn't know. So a, a potential solution is not a airtight uh, solution and therefore not the correct solution. Uh, getting lucky is not part of this riddle. You don't, uh, this is, you need to know for certain when you draw the uh, item, uh, regardless of what it is, that you're going to know what the solution or what all three buckets are. So, um, once again, you, you need to identify pieces of information that you have, and essentially the only real pieces of information that you have are what's in the buckets. You know bolts, nuts, nuts and bolts, and you know that they are labeled. Very importantly, you know that each bucket is mislabeled. Okay, And so you know that you're working with that, those are the pieces of information that you have. And then you identify kind of the um, the key bottleneck or the, the key point of information that, that uh, needs to be uh, identified. And so in this case, it is, you know, what the, the unique pieces, uh, the unique bucket here is the nuts and bolts bucket. And so the one that is labeled nuts and bolts, you know that that's labeled incorrectly Therefore, if you go up to that bucket and pick a uh, any item out of it, you will certainly know what is in that bucket. Because if you pick a nut, you know that it has to be the nuts bucket. It cannot be the nuts and bolts bucket. If you pick a bolt, you know that it is a bolt, the bolts bucket, not the nuts and bolts bucket. Once you do that, the other two just of uh, the other two buckets are just a matter of of. Um, so then you know that okay, well, the nuts, the, the the if I pick a nut out of this bucket, I now know that this bucket is the nuts bucket. Uh, therefore, the bucket labeled uh, bolts uh, is going to be the uh, <laughs> helps uh, drawing this out sometimes as well. But the 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 bolts bucket is there's a label out there that still says bolts, right? Um, and it cannot be that bucket. And you know that the bucket you just picked is not bolts because you just drew a nut. Uh, therefore, you know that the bolts label needs to go on the... Uh, I'll just sw- swap it with the other bucket from which you did not draw. Therefore, you know which ones are nuts. That's the one you just drew. You knew which one is, which one is bolts. And then the last label is just the nuts and bolts label that goes on the last remaining bucket. So that is a relatively simple uh, algorithmic 
riddle. Let's move on to the next. This is the eight cue ball riddle. So you have uh, eight cue balls, all identical size and shape. Um, same color. Once again, no visual cues here, but you know you're told that one of these eight cue balls weighs a little bit more than the other seven. So you need to identify which is the cue ball with uh, that is slightly more um, slightly heavier, and you have a scale, one of these two-sided scales where you can set thing uh, offset weight, um, and so you can take the cue balls and put them on the scale um, and and try to figure out which ones are the the heaviest uh, which which one is the heaviest so the question here the riddle is how many times do you need to put the cue balls on this scale the, you know let's say you put four on one side and four on the other um, and you then and then you work down to figure out okay how many which one is the, the one that's heavier, how many times do you need to weigh the cue balls in order to figure out which one is the one that is slightly heavier? So again, if you want to pause the podcast and think about that briefly, um, I'm going to talk you through, once again, the, the way to identify what uh, the, the solution is here. Once again, it's important to identify what the pieces of information are uh, what you're looking for and uh, and what might be bottlenecks here. So you have this you have this two-sided scale or I guess it's technically called a double beam balance or double pan balance scale a scale with two sides um, where you can set these cue balls on. Um, you know you have that you know these eight cue balls and you know there's one that's uh, slightly heavier the brute force quick uh, the lo uh, logarithmic way to solve this would be to say okay well i need to weigh all the cue balls and so i'll take four and four put them on and then i'll go from there so it'd be four four okay this side's heavier take uh so i can rule out these four so i take the four that were, where the they were slightly heavier split them two and two take the two that are slightly heavier, split them one and one, and then I know which one. So that's three separate ways Turn, uh, you know, times pu putting the uh, balls on the scale. Turns out that is not the quickest way, not the fewest times to, to weigh, weigh these cue balls. You have to think, once again, outside of, of that normal. So you're trying to identify which one is the, the one heaviest. You don't need to weigh each and every ball. You don't. Um, what you need to do is uh, identify. Okay, what what is the small the the number of balls I can weigh that will give me the most information. Without um, and so it turns out four and four does not give me the most information. If I take three and three, I'm getting the most information possible. Okay, does that, uh, so essentially you're now getting additional information about um, from, from excluding two balls off the scale. And let me walk you through how that works. So if I put three and three on, then I know, okay, the, uh, if they weigh the same, I know, okay, it's one of these two balls that I did not put on the scale. And then my second way will tell me, the second time you know, putting these two balls on the scale will tell me which one ball is heavier. If it's one side of these three and three scale that is slightly heavier, then I take those of those three balls, I put two of them on the scale. 
And if those are the same weight, I know it's the ball that I did not weigh. And if one of them is obviously heavier, then I know that it is um, that ball. So in two separate weighing of the cue balls, uh, I can get more information if I exclude some balls from the from the scale. Uh, that seems kind of counterintuitive, but if you think just about the amount of information that you're trying to uh, get from each individual uh, time weighing the balls, you can see how that that you get actually maximize information um, um, by excluding specific balls off the. Uh, uh, if you know the algorithm of how you're going to solve this uh, and and just think through it algorithmically in that way, saying I know that these two balls I can weigh separately later uh, and and work through that. So that's the second uh, riddle I wanted to take you through. Now we're going to move on to uh, the bridge at night uh, riddle. This is one that I've seen asked in a couple uh, different interviews. This is a pretty popular one, so maybe you've heard this one before. But um, So this is you, uh, uh, there's four people, well, you, you could be one of these people or you may not. Anyway, there's four people at a bridge at night. It is a treacherous bridge uh, and you need to get across this bridge. You need all of you to get across this bridge. Uh, however, there is only one flashlight and uh, you need the flashlight to get across the bridge, but the bridge will only uh, has room for two people at a time. So you can only get two people on this bridge to get across it at a time with the one flashlight. And if you do not have the flashlight with you, you will fall off or you'll die, whatever. Um, so the problem here, the riddle is how, what is the fastest, oh, sorry backtrack here. Each individual in your party uh, will cross the bridge at a different rate of speed. So you have one individual that will take quite a while. Let's say an, an elderly person who will take 10 minutes to cross this bridge. Uh, then you've got an individual who take 5 minutes to cross the bridge. Uh, a person that will take 2 minutes to cross the bridge. And then a person that takes just 1 minute to cross the bridge. Now, uh, the uh, you, so you can take two people across, but then you've got to bring the, you've got to send someone back with the flashlight to get the next person and go across uh, that bridge until you get everyone across the bridge. The the people that cross the bridge are going to take the amount of time of the slowest of the two. It's just going to the amount of time to cross the bridge is going to be of the slower two. So if you're crossing the bridge. Um, with the, let's say, the 10-minute person and the 1-minute person, it's going to take 10 minutes to cross the bridge, obviously. You're going to go with the, this, the rate of the person that's the slowest. The riddle, the question is, what is the quickest in time? What is the smallest amount of time necessary to get all of the party across safely? Once again, you can pause it here and think through the riddle. Um, I'm going to walk you through how to solve this. So in this case, once again, you've got to identify the pieces of information that you have and try to figure out what is uh, algorithmically going to help you solve this uh, as far as the information and what your bottlenecks might be and what, what solution is going to give you the optimized um, t uh, amount of time. So let's start with kind of everyone's default, at least most people's default is to think, okay, oh, 
So I've got the 10, 5, 2, 1. I know I need to get everyone across, so that's going to be one trip across, one trip back, one trip across, one trip back, one trip across. Um, and so I need to figure out, okay, well, what is my uh, ideal scenario? Now, the one that most people go to first is the idea that, okay, well, I need to get um, the one person uh, the, the one minute person, the person that's the quickest, being the one that comes back every time. So let's say I, I take the one and the 10, so that's 10 minutes, I come back, that's 11. Uh, the one minute person takes the five minute person, so that's now 16, comes back on 17, and then takes the two minute person and across with them, and that is 19 minutes, if you followed that. So they the one minute person has gone across the bridge every single time, every time just taking one, uh, the 10, the 5, the 2, and then coming back when necessary. So that's 19 minutes in, in that scenario. That is not the optimum solution. That is not the quickest you can do it. Um, once again, you have to identify pieces of information, what your bottleneck might be here. So if you uh, first identify, okay, well, I know that I've got a, a, a speedy individual on board here. I've got this person that can cross this bridge in one minute. Great, you've identified that. And so you think, okay, well, therefore, that person needs to be the runner. They need to be the one that takes it across every single time. You have not thought all the way through to the end of the uh, algorithm here, though, and that's the problem. You need to think all the way down. You need to kind of do a breadth first uh, look at the uh, at this problem. You not only have a speedy individual, but you have a very slow individual and another person that's a five minute that is you know exponentially slower than these one this one and two uh, minute uh, individuals. So they're massive bottlenecks in your time. So what you need to uh, think about is okay. Well, is there any way I can get these guys? guys or girls or whatever, uh, across the bridge together. Because if I could get them across together, then I've got rid of the five and the 10 minutes in one trip. So as soon as you uh, identify that as a potential solution, you've got the workings, you just, uh, work it through uh, you know, piece by piece after that. But that is the, the piece of information that is the most important, is to identify that bottleneck and think, OK, well, if I'm the one minute person is uh, taking um, people across two, five, and ten, then I'm, I'm getting the five minute and the ten minute both counting against my total, where if I can send the ten and the five across together, it's just the ten minutes that's counting against my total. So in this case, you think, okay, I'm going to send the one and the two minute pe person uh, people across together first. Then I'll send the one minute person back, then the five and the 10 will cross, the two minute person will come back, and then the one and two will go across together again. So once again, one and two go across first, that's two minutes. One minute person comes back, that's three minutes. The five and the 10 cross together, that's 13 minutes. The two minute person crosses back over, 15 minutes. The one and two cross together again, 17 minutes. So 17 minutes is the solution, and that is how you get there. Um, so once again, that's all about identifying not only the problem, but potential solutions and looking at the whole problem before trying to brute force solve uh, for uh, an optimized solution that you have not as of yet identified all the potential issues. Okay.
We've got two other uh, riddles here, and these are slightly more. Uh, the, the first one's pretty elegant. Uh, the second one is uh, takes a little bit more working through. So that one will take a, a couple, uh, let's say five minutes uh, in the best case scenario. But let's. This uh, fourth riddle is the Othello pieces riddle. So in this riddle, you have 33 Othello pieces. And if you don't know what an Othello piece is, it's essentially. Uh, like a, a black and white stone, where uh, completely smooth, um, where one side of the of the stone is black and one side of it is white, and so this is a game piece. Othello is a board game, um, and so one side of the these game pieces, these little stone pieces, is completely black. One side of it is completely white. They're completely smooth. They all feel exactly the same. All right, so you've got 33 Othello pieces, and you uh, are set at a table. You're told that you, you told, you're told that there are 33 pieces in front of you. Um, you're completely blindfolded. You can't see, uh, and you're told that of these 33 Othello pieces, 10 of them are white side up. The rest of them are black side up, and you're given the task of um, splitting them. This, these 33 Othello pieces that are just in front of you on this table, you need to be able to split them into two groups where there are the same number of black and white Othello pieces in both groups. So that is the job, that is the riddle. Now the two, what you can do is you can, you can split them to any number of groups you want. You have to end up with two groups with identical numbers of white side up pieces in both groups. And uh, so you can, uh, you can flip the pieces, you can uh, you know, group them as you see fit, uh, but you need to end up with identical number of white uh, pieces in both groups. Again, pause the podcast if you want to think about it. I'm going to walk you through how to solve. So here you need to, once again, there's not a lot of information. So you need to identify the pieces of information that you have and see how they might relate to an algorithm that would help you solve. So you know that there are 33 OP, uh, pieces. That's an odd number. Um, so you can say, okay, well, I know that uh, groups don't need to be of the same number because that's not possible. Right? I need to end up with two groups. I can't just th throw some off the table. Um, so I know that I don't need identical numbers of uh, Othello pieces in both groups. Um, and then the really the only other piece of information that you have, other than knowing that there's one, one side's black and one side's white, is that um, there are 10 that are white side up already. Pretty much the only information that you have. So instead of trying to come up with some elaborate solution where you uh, uh, somehow turn all the Othello pieces on their side and balance them in that way, uh, this was once again an algorithmic riddle. So you need to uh, figure out, okay, well, what is the, the way that I'm going to split these into two groups successfully and know for certain without having seen these at any point that I have the same number in both uh, of, of white side up pieces in both, uh, both groups here. So again, 33 pieces, you know that 10 of them are white side up. So there you have to start working on those pieces of information. So let's say I took two pieces of uh, Othello pieces and started a different pile. Do I know how many white side up I have in either pile? And this is just with two pieces. No, I don't, right? Like I don't know. I know I have 31 and two, 
but I could have grabbed two of the white side up, I could have grabbed two of the black side up, or I could have grabbed the mixed set just for my little group of two. So that's not going to help, right? So I'm going to quickly I, uh, figure out that, okay, I don't know, uh, I'm not, I don't have any other information than these numbers. Well, then they must, the, that number 10 must be pretty important. So let's say I grab 10 pieces, about the 10 of those Othello pieces and create a different group based on that. I have 23 and 10. I don't know how many there are in each group, but what I do know is that I've got an identical number here in the one group, 10, as I have total number of black, uh, white side up pieces in the whole thing. So let's say I then flip over every single one of those 10 pieces. All right, so now I'm going to flip every one of those 10 pieces over. Does that help me at all? And so then you have to think through how does it uh, come up with an example. Let's say of those 10 pieces that I pulled over, none of them, zero, are white side up. Well, then you can see real quick, oh, if I flip them all over, then I'm going to have the same number in both. I'm going to have 10 white in the, uh, this pile of uh, this group of 23 and I'm going to have 10 in this group of 10 because I just flipped all of these black side up ones to white. That's nice and clean. Great. But is that going to cover all the scenarios? Well, let's say you grabbed, coincidentally, all 10 of the white ones. Flip them all over. Well, then you have the same number of whites in both because once again, you've got uh, 0 and 0. Once again, very clean. But let's say you grabbed six. You just into uh, six white of the white side up pieces and four of the black side up. And now you're flipping them all over. All right, so you grab six of the white side up, so you have four left in this bigger pile of 23. And now you're flipping all of the ones here in this pile, of this group of 10. Well, what does that leave you with? It leaves you with four white side up in this group of 10 and four in this group of 23. So, and you can do that for any number you want, but that's obviously, that's the solution, right? So you have, as soon as you grab those 10 pieces out and, uh, and flip them, you're always going to have the same number of white side up pieces in both piles uh, because you are now just duplicating, you're just uh, taking the limited amount of information you have and using it to algorithmically solve. Say, okay, I know that there are 10 white side up, so I'm going to grab 10 out of here and flip them, and that's going to give me a mirror image of what I uh, have, uh, uh, the distribution of, of white side up and black side up pieces in this other group. Um, so the Othello puzzle, uh, that is one that uh, that is um, my coworkers and I uh, en enjoyed quite a bit. So. Let's hit this last riddle. This one is uh, the most complicated. Um, so if you're driving and listening to this and you want to, to do this by yourself before listening to my solution, uh, you probably want pencil and paper. Um, uh, otherwise, you can just listen through and I will t explain this for you. Um, so in this riddle, you've got 25 racehorses. And these horses are... Um, you, you, they're your horses and you need to figure out what are the three fastest of these racehorses. I've got 25, I need to find the three fastest um, and you have a track 
where you can race five at a time. You can race five horses at the same time. What you do not have is a stopwatch or any way of keeping track of time. Um, so all you can do is race the horses uh, in order to figure out which ones are the fastest. You can't measure time or compare times. So the riddle here is, uh, of the, so you have 25 horses, a race with a, a, tr a track where you can race uh, these horses five at a time. Um, what is the minimum number of races that you need to do to find the three fastest horses? Now this is also given the the the, uh, the obviously untrue, but in this case riddle uh, in this riddle uh, the given fact that the horses will always race at the same speed. Okay, so these horses are uh, robots. All right, <laughs> they will always race at the same speed. You need to identify the three fastest um, and uh, of these twenty-five and the fewest number of you know, races possible of, of in this racetrack of five uh, five horses at a time. So if you want to pause the podcast now and think through it and or write down what you're thinking, this this one takes a bit of thinking and a bit of time, but uh, I will walk you through here on the podcast how to solve it. So once again, identify what pieces of information you have and what, what algorithm, what, what pieces of information you're going to be able to build on and use. So you know that the that what you have available to you is only going to be relative speed. You're only going to have the speed of a horse relative to other horses in its race. You don't have time, uh, therefore you can't you can't say uh, based on one race uh, that uh, the horse that wins that race is faster than any of the other horses. Any of the horses that it did not race, right? Because you don't know. You don't have any way of keep, keeping track of time. Um, so let's start with, uh, once again, just this brute force, the idea of, okay, well, I want to run rate race each horse in a, this, this group of five. So it'll be five races where I just have each, you know, five different horses in each race. So that gets me through all 25, all 25 horses I've raced. And I have a winner of each one of those races. And quickly, you'll think, okay, well, that's that's a problem. I've got a problem though. So I know uh, these are the fa the the five that have won the races. But how do I know that the horse that won race number one, so the the first winner of the first race, was is actually faster than the horse that came in third uh, in race number two? Because maybe you just got five slow horses in your first race and he was the fastest of the slow horses so you've identified a problem here right so you you've got some information some relative information of of all 25 horses but you have no way of, of getting information across all of these races to uh, play well together to percolate across these race boundaries so you think okay well now I need to figure out what um, how these races, each of these five first races, relate, relate to each other. So you think, okay, well, I'm going to take the fastest horse in each race and race them. Seems like a good solution, right? And you're going to get some information from that. So this is race number six. You take the fastest five horses, so those the winners of the first five heats, first five races, now are racing against each other. So you race those. 
So now you have some relative information uh, and some information that helps you um, extrapolate across all the first five races. So you can figure out, okay, well, the winner, the overall winner, the fastest horse is actually the fastest horse. You've now identified number one. Great. There can't be any way that another horse is faster than that that horse because each other uh, entry in that uh, heat that he just won beat uh, all the horses in their uh, uh, respective races. Therefore, if he beats each one of those, he's beating by uh, extension, he's beating all the other 24 horses, or all the, sorry, all the other 20 horses as well. So he, um, you identified, okay, that is my fastest horse. The problem comes when you're now looking at how do I find number two and number three, right? Because um, is horse number, the, the horse that comes in second in that race, in that in heat number six of, of the winners, is he, is that horse actually the second fastest horse because might it not be the case that in the first heat um, let's say the, the your fastest overall horse has come from the first heat the first race that you did it all right um, your fastest uh, horse was the heat uh, was from that race from that heat so is your second fastest horse the one that came in second in heat number six of the winners uh, the ra race of the winners, or was your second fastest horse actually the, the horse from the first heat that the, the, the overall winner beat first? Um, so already you've identified, okay, I don't know. I, I can't know that. I can't know if the person that came in, the, the horse that came in second in the first heat or heat six is actually faster. So I know I need to do at least another race, at least one more. But is that going to give me enough information? And how am I going to find out the third fastest horse? Because isn't that exponentially more difficult? Well, then you've got to start thinking all of it through. You've got, you got to figure out, okay, well, what is all the information that I have? Um, I'm going to do kind of a short, just a, a quick walkthrough of, of what you need to know here. And, and that, uh, for finding the second and third fastest horses, the question really is, right, is, is the horse that came in second and third in heat six actually second and third or is the second and third fastest horse from heat one or is the uh, third fastest horse because um, actually from heat two uh, um, assuming that your second fastest horse uh, is you know the one that came in second in, in heat number six it may be the third fastest horse is not the horse that um, that came in third in heat six, but actually was in the uh, second heat racing against the second overall fastest horse. Maybe he was faster than the one that came in third in heat number six. So you uh, have to think through, okay, well, what horses do I need? What horses could potentially be the second and third fastest horse? And what that boils down to is um, in heat number six you need to race uh, races uh, the horses that came in second and third so you got two of your five right there you know you need to race them because they might be they might be your second and third fastest and it would make sense and and if you do figure it out and draw it out you'll see that that's the case um, you need to take 
the second and third fastest horse um, from the first heat that the overall winner was in. The fastest horse overall in heat six, whatever his original heat was, so in my example, heat one, you need to take the ones that came, the horses that came in second and third in that heat. So now I've got four horses. And then my last horse is going to be the horse that came in second in the race uh, of the, uh, the heat number two the, uh, of the second, uh, the, the horse that came in second in heat six, the, uh, his original heat. So once again, in my example, heat number two, uh, where your second fast, uh, where your overall number two horse came from, you need to take uh, the one that came in second in that heat. So you've got the winner from heat number two and the second uh, uh, horse from heat number two. You've got horses two and three from heat number one where your fastest horse was and you don't need to race him anymore. You know that he's the fastest. You don't need any more information about him. So horses two and three from heat one, uh, horses one and two um, from heat two, where, uh, so that's second in, uh, the second overall in, in heat six and, and the one that came in second to him in the original heat, and then your th third fastest horse in heat six. So once again, that, that will give you the five horses right there. Uh, and race number seven will then definitively give you the second and third fastest horses because you now identified all the horses that it might be. So uh, hopefully if, if that didn't make a lot of sense, you can go back and listen to it again. Um, podcasts, uh, not a perfect medium uh, for explaining riddles all the time, but hopefully uh, useful and, and if you're listening to this while you're on a commute or in a plane or whatever you're doing this is going to help you kind of think through what all the potential possibilities might be and, and pull out some paper and try to come up with some solutions here because th that last one is, is one that you kind of need to see written out uh, and, and draw some lines and circle some horses to figure out uh, to really have it make sense in your head but um, seven total races is, is the solution there. Um, for identifying the three fastest sources. So that will do, bring us to the end of all five of, uh, of those riddles. And um, once again, I hope that in doing these riddles, it can help you think kind of algorithmically. So uh, in this family of riddles, uh, it really comes down to identifying pieces of information, maximizing the information that you have, um, and, and really identifying all of the potential uh, bottlenecks and or uh, places where the information might be useful in your algorithm. So uh, once again, algorithm is, I've said that a bunch of times in this podcast, but it, it can be a scary word. All it means is a particular method for solving a, an issue. So um, solving a, a mathematical problem. Uh, riddles can really help you with your analytical thinking, um, and they can really help you identify, you know, what... Uh, in your life you can solve. So it turns out in life a lot of things can be boiled down to some uh, something like a riddle. So try to analytically solve, uh, try to algorithmically solve, try to come up with these solutions and riddles can help you develop that part of your mind um, and if nothing else, I'll prepare you for your computer science interview uh, where you're trying to get the job. So I hope this was a fun podcast for you. I hope this was uh, useful and uh, 
Go share these riddles with your friends and family um, and come back and listen uh, to our next podcast. We'll talk to you then.